All right, everyone. Welcome back. After we are done with the holiday break, I'm your host, Maddie D, on the website, getyourbusinessinablack.com. Here with another great interview today, folks. And for those who are watching for the first time, listening to replay here, um, my show is called In the Black TV, where I basically um, interview people and cover different topics that are geared to helping you create a profitable business, either online or offline, that then allows you to have more financial abundance. And with that, you can find your true self and create other abundance in other areas of your life. That's what's about, my friend. So today, I'm very fortunate and luckily to have a uh, not to, not just not just a serious serious entrepreneur, but a serial entrepreneur and a bestseller at that, which I had no idea. I looked up. I was like, "Whoa, this guy is like." I knew you were serious, but when I saw the level, I went, "Oh, oh dear, this is a lot different." <laughs> <laughs> I have Dan Locke. Say that. Say your last name correctly. Yes. Yes. Okay, Dan Locke, who. I looked you up, man, and you 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 have an interesting story, which I want to cover. Um, coming from Hong Kong, believe it or not, on the other side of the planet, basically. Yes. Yes. And um, you came up through investing, which is a very interesting topic because very few people, even other entrepreneurs, understand that. And you've mastered that. Then you have a book appropriately titled, and I gotta ask you what it stands for. F you money. I saw that and I was like. No, he's not really saying F you money. Well, I kind of know what it stands for as an actor. No, people there, people so. think of the book. Is it full money? Is it tofu money? No, it's fuck you money. That's what it means. <laughs> it really is. Oh, man. I had no idea. Yes. Cool. So how are you doing today, my friend? I'm great, man. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to uh, sharing some of my you know, hot work, hot earned lessons and, and battlefield stories with, uh, with your listener and watcher as well. Here. Cool, man. So, like I said, you know, starting back, you got your start. Well, you first were born in Hong Kong, if yes. I'm correct, based on just some research. And from there, you came to the U.S. So let's start there. Like, what brought your family to the U.S. and the transition? I know that you were made fun of because they couldn't speak English at first. And that's rough, especially in this country. Or, no, I'm sorry, not the U.S., to North America. Correction. Mm. That's yes. rough because, especially in the United States, if you ever came to school here, we can be very rough on people outside and it's just wrong instead of instead of looking at it from, oh, my God, you have a different view of life, different culture, different way. How can this benefit me and how can we benefit each other? Mm. So let's kind of start there, man. Well, I came to uh, more accurately. I came to uh, Canada, Vancouver, Canada, uh, when I was 14 years old. And then I my mom and dad got divorced when I was 16 years old. So when I was going to high school, uh, I was one of the only three Chinese in my school. So because I spoke funny, I couldn't speak a word of English. When I first came here, didn't know anybody, uh, had no money and couldn't speak the language. So I had to learn English from scratch. So when I was going to wow. school, the kids, they made fun of me. They teased me. They, they bully me. I got beat up you know, every couple of weeks. And it was very rough during that period of time because uh, the way I went to school, uh, it's in Surrey in Vancouver. And mostly mm -hmm. it's, it's Caucasians and... And it, it was it was a difficult time. So growing up, I was basically alone all the way through high school. Didn't have a whole lot of friends, uh, and had a whole lot of en enemies. <laughs> and and I was and I I was very rebellious at that time because I felt like you know why my mom and dad dragged me all the way to here when I was in Hong Kong. It was okay. Like why why, why am I like what did I do? So I, I had a lot of resentment during that period of time, and I was kind of pissed off yeah wow mm -hmm. and how did that kind of shape your world and your future at that time 
where you're kind of like in this spot where everyone seems to hate you. You have very little friends and your parents parents are like, are you crazy? Why did you do this to me? (laughs) I'm sure there is some during that period of time, I'm sure they, it affected the rest of my life. And maybe mm-hmm. that's because the, and then after I got into business, the first 10 years, I was trying to, to prove myself. Because I think at that time, I felt like I was nobody. And then when I got into the business world, when I was making money, trying to prove to everybody that I, I'm smart enough, I'm good enough, I, I am worthy. And yeah. a lot of it's ego-driven. And I, I'm not proud to admit it. But at the time, I think... The, the turning point of my life is when I, my mom and dad got divorced. And at first, my because my dad went bankrupt in Hong Kong. So at wow. first he was, I'm the only child in my family. So at first he was sending us some allowance and then that stopped. So then my mom was living off the, the savings that, that, that she has. Uh, and as the only child in my family, I thought, you know what? I need, to, I need to fucking stop being a boy. I need to grow up. I need to mature. So then, you know, I got a job working in a, in a grocery, uh, in a supermarket as a grocery bagger. You know, the guys in the checkout and begging your grocery yeah. to take you to your car. Yeah. That was my fucking job. Uh, and that was the only job I've ever had in my life. I only had one job for one year in my entire life. And, wow. and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And I couldn't take care of my mom. wasn't making enough money, making minimum wage. I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way. There has to be a better way. So then I look into business. I wish, you know, I could tell people, oh, you know, I had, because when I growing up, I didn't, I wasn't one of those people that had these big dreams. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. And I wasn't one of those people that had, had a, had a good education because I was basically a barely pass on my courses. I couldn't speak the language. And I wasn't one of those people that didn't know all the right people or the right places. Cause fuck right. I, could, I didn't know anybody. So no excuse for anybody watching this. That all is too hard and then this and that. I mean, if, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Uh, but I think that shaped a little bit of my philosophy. And when I got into business, that affected my journey for sure. And that's from that, I guess there's always, I'm always hungry that mm-hmm. I've always wanted to, to, to be somebody, you could say, that to make something out of myself, to, to be not just like the average. I, I want to do something great. I want to do something different than everybody else. I like it. I like the motivation there. Cool, mm-hmm. man. Um, and then also part of your story, you you got you 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 were uh, fighting a lot. I think at some point you may turn around, and you start fighting people instead of, instead of them coming to you. Like how did mm-hmm. how did that really affect stuff? And like you almost you almost went to jail. How did that like? How do you? Avoid oh yeah, because because when I was like okay, when I was in Hong Kong, I was basically a spoiled you know kid. And yeah, because my dad at the time when when I was in Hong Kong, you know, we were kind of middle class. And, you know, my, my dad had a business, you know, he drives a Mercedes, we had a maid, and we were middle class, upper, upper middle class. So life was good. And I yeah. always had money. I never I always have allowance in school, you know, I always buy everybody. Uh, I remember like pop and, and chips and stuff like that. So I was popular because all my friends, I treat everybody very nicely. And because of that, I had no drive. And and I was getting into trouble, met some bad, you know, bad people and, and got into fights and, you know, gangster. You just ha- hang around with the wrong type of people. And, and that's actually two reasons why we immigrated to Canada. One, because my, my mom and dad, they have some relationship issue. Uh, second is because I was in trouble 
that uh, my I was actually my dad had to kind of bail me out from the police station locally in Hong Kong. And I remember we had a talk with the the police officer. The police officer pulled my in a balcony. I still remember uh, me, my dad, and the police officer in a balcony. And the police officer said to my dad, "You know, if your son keeps this up, he'll end up in jail. Like he he just he he's going nowhere. Maybe it's better you get him out of this kind of environment." And and he did. And so within from that incident to immigration, we're talking like less than three months. Wow. So that's a rapid change, and then come to North America and go through more challenges. More challenges. Which, yes. Yeah, it's only it's which only helped to you know helped you to be who you are and in your path of, of success. Absolutely, I mean, I, I see a lot of people they see their their childhood as wounds mm -hmm. that they feel mm -hmm. like oh you know I'm coming from a dysfunctional family. Well, Matt, guess what? Everybody comes from a fucking dysfunctional dysfunctional family nowadays. So it's yeah. nothing new, okay? Uh, <laughs> right, and so. People look at that as wounds, but when I look at that, your, I believe that your adversity is actually your greatest advantage. That because after have gone, having go, gone through difficulty, it's like working out. It's like working out for your muscle. Because how, how do yeah. you grow a muscle? You put pain on it, you put stress pain, on stress. it. Exactly, and, and you basically, you are destroying your muscle, you're tearing up your muscle fibers, and when it grows back, it becomes stronger. So I think most people, they are, they are, we have two bank accounts, and a financial bank account and an emotional bank account. So most people, they, they haven't gone through enough difficulty. They don't know, that's why they're not so hungry, they're kind of you know, mediocre, but versus I think those type of experience, it's because I was the only child in my family, and it's because I got beat up. It's because I couldn't speak a word of English. It's like all these things shape me to who I am today. So when I look at any problems that I, that I have, Whatever problems in business, it's like you know what? If I could got through that period of time, mm -hmm. this is this is this is this is a fucking walk in the park. There what's, you go. A, what's, the, what's the big deal? So that's how I look at it. So your adversity is your greatest advantage. I wish more people had that like mentality. I feel like a lot of us would do so much more in life, and sometimes it's tough. Yes. Um, so you're investing. How did you get into investing? And why investing? Because everyone does their own thing, but there's reason why they get the one yes. thing only. So why yeah. that? How? You mean uh, with my involvement, as I, I I grew my you know number of companies. I made I mean I made most of my money online, as most people know, the search online, Dan Lock. And so with that, then as you make more money, and at first I have to admit, when I was making the money, I was just blowing all the money. Okay, <laughs> I mean because I again because back then I was trying to make money to to feel worthy to so that I, I'm secure within myself, right? I feel good about myself. So then I was making the money, I was blowing, I was getting a new car every year. Uh, I was going out with my friends and we were traveling together with, with fucking people, everything. Like we would we would go to a, a go of and have dinner and we would like blow blow three grand on, on a night. Okay. Wow. And and I didn't even fucking drink. You gotta understand. Whoa, okay. you, without drinking, you, you both three grand in a night? Yeah, and I don't even drink. They drink. I don't drink. Uh, so it was stupid. I mean, it's stupid. And because what I was trying to do, I was trying to buy approval. I was trying to buy affection. I was trying to buy attention, whatever the fuck you call it. But I was trying to buy these things from friends. Well, guess what? Once I realized when I stopped buying them dinners and travel and all that stuff, they stopped being friends. Now, those are not true friends, as you know. So yeah. Those are not true friends. So... 
I learned from that, and then later on, I went through a different path, and we all have to go through that. So nowadays, I'm not so much interested in, in those things anymore. I'm not interested in you know getting another new car and another new house. I mean, those things don't interest me. Uh, I think once you get to a point where, first, you have to get to survival, paying the bills, have yeah. food on your table. Then once you get through that, you get the comfort. You can pretty, you know, have a nicer place, have a nice car, you know, have a nice meal, take care of your family, provide for your family and kids. Once you get through that, then I think it's time to strive to the next level. Uh, and that's something totally different. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So going back to the question, investing. So as I was making money, at first I was blowing all the money. Then I learned that, well, you know, I talked to my mentors, some men, my mentors, they said, hey, Dan, you, you can't do this. Like you, you have to think in terms of, because I mean, I'm in my, at the time I was in my, what, mid 20s, mm -hmm. right? Late, mid, late 20s. I mean, I was already making more money than most people. Uh, and so then going to investing, investing companies and, and investing real estate. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, now, you know, I do a lot of different things. We have a portfolio of uh, 21 companies and, you know, I have some real estate investments as well. Uh, in fact, this may help you. He's, let me give you a framework, Matt. This will okay. help you. Why, why yeah. investing is critical. Uh, if, you, if you're watching this, you get nothing out of this webinar. Get this, okay? Because people come to me all the time. Well, you know, Dan, I want to make money. I want to create wealth. What's the first thing I should do? What's the second thing I should do? What should I focus on? What business should I get into? Here's what I say. I call this concept called the wealth triangle. The wealth triangle. So think in terms of triangle, right? You have mm -hmm. three corners. So first corner is what I call high income skills. So write this down, high income skills. So high income skills, I'm talking about skills that can make you at least $100,000 a year. Very simple, $100,000 a year. Now, that could be sales, it could be marketing, it could be any skills, but I'm talking skills that can make you $100,000 a year. Just through your your own your own intelligence, your own labor. Uh, I, it doesn't have to be business related. I have a friend of mine, Dale, who is a ballroom dance instructor, okay? He easily makes $120,000 teaching people how to ballroom dance. Wow. That's cool, right? Yeah. Uh, I have another friend who's a, who's a, who's a, a, a programmer. Okay, makes 100 grand a year, which is whatever, it's nice. So that's the first step, high income skills. Everybody, I think they should focus on that first. Any young people, anyone getting into whatever business, focus on that. Because then you are you are honing your skills. You are not taking a whole lot of risk. You're using your hustle. You're using intelligence. You're using your skills. You're using your uh, your, your your brain to make some money. Right. Now, once you have that, then I will move to what I call scalable businesses. Scalable business. So you have high income skills, and you have scalable business. Now, scalable business, I'm not talking about traditional, uh, uh, you know, retail business. I'm talking, I mean, it could be an internet business, could be affiliate marketing, uh, could be could be network marketing, could be anything, could be home-based business, but anything that would, that is scalable, that now you're leveraging other people. So now it's people making you money, system mm -hmm. making you money. Now, once you accomplish that, then you can move to the last corner, which is what I call high return investments. The high return investments, as far as I'm concerned, I like real estate because I like the leverage, I like the control. For some people, it could be something else, but just, just what I choose to do. Now, if I think about this, Matt, then you, so you have this triangle. Mm -hmm. High income skills provides you with the high income. Scalable business provides you with leverage income. 
and then the high return investments they they provide provide you with return on investments right so right. that's the appreciation of things like that here's the problem with most people you think in terms of this triangle and it's the all three one two and three now if most people let's say they they want to make money they they want to get rich they they watch an infomercial on tv and some guys talking about how to make money in real estate right you've seen that before those infomercials yeah yeah and, and nothing down and this and that and and I they like go out Drunk. This sounds like a great idea. Let's no, do it. That sounds like a great idea, right? I, I, you know what? I, I, I'm making minimum wage. I've got no savings, but let's buy a property. Okay. <laughs> Fuck, right? You go into right. that. So, so you, you skip. You skip the first two steps. You just go into real estate. Now, what happens when they do that? Highly leveraged. They have got no experience. They've got no business acumen. They don't know anything about it. But they, you know, you know, borrow from the credit card and make this down payment. And then when they couldn't find a tenant, what happens, man? That's it. They're fucked. Exactly. They're and then they say real estate doesn't work. <laughs> it's not that real estate doesn't work. And then they say that guy's a scam. Well, maybe he's a scam. I don't know. But yeah. it's wrong sequence. It's the wrong sequence. You don't just get high income. You get the right to high income. You have to first earn the right, pay the price. So when you follow this, this framework, this concept, when I know you're making $100,000 a year with your skill, what does that tell me? It means that probably you're a pretty hardworking guy. It, it also tells me you're adding value to the marketplace. And it, it tells me that you have pretty some good habits in place. And also, unless you blow money like crazy, but for most people, you know, 10 grand a month, you're pretty comfortable. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. So you're paying the bills, you're taking care of your family, you are okay. And if you actually frugal and things like that, you can put some money aside. Now you start that scalable business first. Don't entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, we are entrepreneurs. I mean, rich people, we are entrepreneurs who invest. Become that successful business owner, build that business, and then use the cash from the business Then you put into investments. Not jump into and say, it's like people People say, you know, what should I invest in? People come to me, what should I invest in? As well, it depends. You know, for some people, maybe is well, I don't believe in mutual funds, but it depends. If you've got no skills, we put it better to put in the bank. Right. Do nothing with it. I mean, if you've got no skills, forget about getting high return because higher the return, usually it's more active investing. It takes more experience to get a higher return. Mm -hmm. More passive investments typically lower the return. Now, I didn't say risk though. It's not about risk because some of these high return investments. If you're intelligent, you're smart, there's not a whole lot of risk. But it's like, you know, it's it's driving risky. Well, it depends. Right. If you don't you haven't taken any classes, you, you have you didn't have your license, and you kind of blindfold yourself, yes, it's fucking dangerous. You kill yourself. Exactly. But if, yeah, if, but if you know what you're doing, you practice and and you, you, you get your license and you've been you've been driving for a few years, then it's not so dangerous, right? It depends. So what well, that's that's the, the framework. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Mm. Yeah. Hey, for anyone else watching you guys in the audience, jump on, ask a question. I mean, we got the guy for some time. Ornaments interactive. Have a question, please jump on. It doesn't matter. We got yeah. Dan here. That triangle thing, dude. <laughs> I'm blown. That was I've never heard of that. And for that, which I like to do on each show, some people hate it. You get the buzzer for that. The rapper <laughs> There you That's go. Awesome. That's we got awesome. Desmond on. Welcome, Desmond. 
So yeah, that yeah, I I never that makes sense. That makes the whole route a lot simpler. Too. Yeah, and then that and it tells people what stage in your life what you need to be focused on. So then it's not jumping into one thing another and and it's, people sometimes want to jump into business. Well, the on the only purpose of a business is to provide you with a future stream of earning. Let that sink in for a minute. The only purpose of business is to provide you with a future stream of earning. So if you think in those terms, most people, they have no business experience. They know nothing about business and they, they mortgage their house and because they've got a good idea. I always say all my problems in life started off as a good idea, right? <laughs> right. I've got this great idea. I talk to my family and friends and they say, hey, I'm thinking of doing selling this widget. What do you think? Oh, yeah, it's a great idea. We support you. We love you. Okay, fucking great, right? You mortgage your house, put in your life saving, you, you, sell, you develop this widget, whatever the thing is, you try to sell it, nobody wants to buy it. You talk to your family and friends again. Hey, would you like to buy some? Oh, no, we don't want to buy any. But I thought you support me. Right. Uh, no, we're just saying that to be nice. Fuck. Right? Now we've got a problem. So, so now, I mean, so don't do that. Prove to yourself, prove to the marketplace you can make money with just your skill first. Let's do that. Let's get into place of being be financially secure, then be financially comfortable, then you can work on freedom. But if you're, when you're not even financially secure and you try to jump to freedom, it's not how it works. Even if you might accidentally get lucky and make a little bit of money, it doesn't stay. I mean, I always say the, the key to the whole game, Matt, is, is not to get rich. It's to stay rich. It's one thing to make the money. It's a whole other thing that you can make money year after year after year. That's why I'm not so impressed by all these, well, maybe it's not politically correct to say, but who, who gives a, who gives a damn? Uh, that, hey, I don't care, tell yeah. the truth. Yeah, so the, it's like all these people, they see these gurus and they say, oh, they made you know half a million dollars, they made a million dollars in whatever. I say, you know, you've seen these product launches, you've seen those things, right? You know, well, yeah, you know, these guys, they make they make half a million dollars in, in seven days. Well, here's what they don't tell you. The half a million dollars, half of that goes to affiliate commission. So it's not, it's half a million, but actually it's 250 plus the product cost, plus probably 10% refund. At the end of the day, they didn't make as much money as you might think. And even if they do, so what? It's one thing to make the money, but can you make that money every month? Can you make that money every year? How, sustain, how sustainable is that model? How sustainable is that business? And that's why you see these, you know, gurus. Every, every now, nowadays, everybody's a guru. But back in my day, when I was going to internet marketing, people call me a guru. I, don't hate, I hate the term. Please don't call me a guru. Uh, but they call me that term, and they don't stay. You look at all of them. Come and go. They just yeah. they stick, they stick around a little bit, and then now they disappear. Gone. Gone from the face of the earth. You don't hear from them anymore. So what? So I say study. That's why I love Warren Buffett. I love those type of guys because study the guys who are not just successful for one year, not even successful for five years. Study the guy who's been successful 20, 30 years. What did they do? How did they think? How did they operate their businesses? Study those guys. Don't get sucked into the hype and, oh, this guy made a whole bunch of money in a short period of time. So what? It doesn't mean anything. They lose it as fast. They blow it as fast as they make it. So, so that's not success. That's not sustainable success. So study the guys who've, who've been successful, who not just becoming get rich, but stay rich for a long period of time. I love, love to study those guys.
the interview's done. I'm done. The <laughs> <laughs> interview's over. Thanks. No, we're not done yet. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So I know anyone that, that that's had a lot, a lot of success, we they've all made mistakes. And for you, <laughs> don't worry, Desmond, I was kidding. We're gonna keep going. <laughs> um, you know, for you, what what do you feel or have been some of your biggest mistakes and how those mistakes helped you to become more successful? There's so many of them. I was just uh, at at a big conference in Toronto called Socialite, and mm-hmm. there there was a hundred, uh, there's a thousand entrepreneurs in the audience. Wow. And I, and I asked everybody a question. I said, put up your hand if through your mistakes in business you've lost more than ten thousand dollars. And I, I had my hand up, right? And and he said, hope you put up the hand. I said, keep your hand up if you've lost more than fifty thousand dollars. And then you see a few hands gone down, right? And then keep your hands up if you've lost more than $100,000. Keep your hand up if you've lost more than $1 million. And only a couple of hands, right? And then keep, put up hand if you lost more than $2 million. And then you see only one hand staying, right? That's my fucking hand. And I said, that's why I'm here at the front. Because I've lost more money than all of you guys. I've made more mistakes than most of you. And I still continue to make mistakes. So out of all the mistakes I've made, there's so many of them. Right? The one that I kind of touched on that... Uh, I, I was more ego driven. I was focusing on myself, and I thought just through achievement uh, I would be fulfilled. Which mm-hmm. then I've learned it's not true. Uh, achievement and fulfillment—they're they're two different things. Just because you've made the money doesn't mean you're fulfilled. So I learned it the hard way. So success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Ultimate failure. So now I'll focus more on. How can I achieve at the same time? But that's something that fills me up, that gets me excited. That that so now. I, but the funny thing is, Matt, as I focus more on fulfillment, money comes even faster. Money comes even easier. That I'm adding more value. I'm and I'm impacting more people. Uh, so that's one thing I've learned. Mm-hmm. That you have to work on both at the same time. That don't feel like. Oh, I have to. Yes, in the beginning, you got to work your ass off. You got to work your face off. You have to sacrifice some family time. You have to for the first couple of years. But then focusing on that work-life integration. I don't believe in work-life balance. That's bullshit. Right. Uh, there's no balance. But work-life integration. How can you do something that you love to do? You love what you do and you're adding value to the marketplace. You're helping people. You're serving a lot of people and you're making a lot of money at the same time. Um, that's one lesson I've learned. Uh, not so much ego driven and been buying all these things. Now I know uh, for people watching this, especially the young guys, you don't fucking believe me. You would say, you know what? I want that sport car. That would get me excited or this and that. Guarantee you when you get your sport car, the first sport car, the first month, it's, it's kind of fun. Second month, maybe third month. You don't even think about it anymore, but you got to go through that. We all go through that phase, but I'm saying it, the materialistic things, they don't, that's not what you should aim for. You should aim for more a self-actualization process that business, using business to 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 express yourself to, I always say an entrepreneur is an artist in commerce. An entrepreneur is an artist in commerce. This is my craft. This is my art. I, I'm a creator. This is what I used to create. So that's an, an optimistic that I, I've learned. Not so much internal focus, but focus on more other people. Don't be so ego-driven. Don't be so uh, self-centered. Um, if one more mistake that I could share is, I believe the number one key to business success is to avoid bad assumptions. So most entrepreneurs 
or want to be entrepreneurs, they get into business because they, again, they have a great idea. They assume too much. They assume everybody will like it. They assume that this business will take off right like that. They assume that uh, they have enough money that will last in a long time. They assume that once you know people try it, everybody will love it. A lot of assumptions. But if you can avoid these bad assumptions and and be because we we we're naturally entrepreneurs, we're naturally optimistic. Mm -hmm. I mean, Matt, don't you? When we look at the the bright side of the things, right? The, the positive. You have to. If you don't, you wouldn't yeah. be able to make it. You you get yeah, and that's that's that makes us who we are. That we are naturally optimistic. But the problem is, we're sometimes too optimistic that we do something and nobody would challenge us the idea. So let's say, you know, someone comes up with an idea. Well, I would say always, well, how do you know it's a good idea? Because you like it? Like who who said who who else says, says it's a good idea? Like show me. Show me it's a good proof to me. And you would challenge that idea to, to avoid the bad assumptions. Who else? Well, I, I, once I get this, uh, everybody would love it in the marketplace. Well, how do you know? Who are the competitors? How long they've been in business? How, how much money they make? What are they doing to grow the company? How can you compete? Why you and why now? What's your competitive advantage? What's your profit margin? Well, what if your profit margin is too low? What if I can find someone in China and they can lowball you? Like there's so many possibilities, but mm -hmm. asking tough questions, avoiding those bad assumptions, again, going back to it, not about getting rich and staying rich. And when you can avoid those bad assumptions, then your business will do well. If you can honestly look in the mirror and ask yourself those tough questions, or have someone ask you those tough questions and you can answer them, don't you think you're a little bit more comfortable about your the probability of success? Versus just blindly just say, you know what, it's going to be great. And I hope it's going to be great. And I pray it's going to be great. And I'm so optimistic. No, like I am very positive. I'm optimistic, but I'm also a realist. That's what I've learned because all the money I've lost because I was overconfident that I assumed that through my sheer ability or through my experience or through my contact or through whatever that I would make it work. And it's wrong. It is wrong. Don't fight with the market. Don't argue with the market. The market will tell you. Mm -hmm. Always, always will tell you. So if we can't be negative, and we also can't be overly, overly positive, how yes. should we approach something? Like, oh, good question. How? I would just expect the best and just prepare for the worst. Okay. That's basically, let me give you a, 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 a metaphor, okay? Let's say you're in sales. You go into a sales situation and you're optimistic and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna close this sale because I believe in what I sell. I stand behind my product. I believe that my product truly helps people that and they should get it. That's a good belief to have, right? Yes. But at the same time, I don't just go in with just you know blind enthusiasm and say, You should buy this, Mr. Prospect. You need right. this. Ooh, right? So going in, so I, I'm assuming assumptive that. You know what? They're gonna need my product, and my product will help them. But at the same time, I'm well prepared. I already know ahead of time the features of my product, the benefits of my product, maybe the warranty of the product. I find out the prospects' needs. At the same time, I also know that maybe the five or ten or twenty common objections they might have, and I prepare myself and I rehearse, and so I can exactly when they give me an objection, bam, I know how to handle it. So I have a positive outlook of the outcome, but I'm also prepare all the negative consequences that might happen. And so I'm ready for it. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Yeah. So that's how I view business. So I assume 
I, I expect it's going to work. Expect the outcome is going to be good. But exactly, I have like, I don't know if you can see it, but the camera I do have on my on my wall here, and it's beneficial. I have on my wall three questions I ask on a daily basis to myself. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? What don't I see? And what don't I know? What could go wrong right here? What don't I see and what don't I know? So I'm challenging my assumptions every day to see, hmm, are there things in my company that I'm not seeing? Is there an employee that's not, hmm, I think is doing a good job, but I'm not so sure. Or I think this investment would be good, but let's just double check. So that's what I see. It's you're optimistic, but you're also a realist. I like it. I am, wow. <laughs> I don't have to say, but that was an awesome answer. I like the questions too. What could go wrong? What don't yeah. I know? What don't I say? What don't I know? Most entrepreneurs never ask themselves. Every they ask them, oh, everything is going to be great. Yeah. Well, but what could go wrong? And what if it goes wrong? Can you live with the consequences? And how are you going to handle the risk? How are you going to minimize the risk? And what don't I know? It's a very powerful question because a lot of entrepreneurs they think they fucking know it all. Right. You know, the know-it-all, knowing what they know for 30 years, haven't changed a damn thing, you know, keep doing the same thing again and again, even they're fully aware that's the definition of insanity. So they keep doing the same thing. They don't ask themselves, what do I know? But what do I know? Okay, maybe the financial part, maybe the marketing part, something is not working, something is not producing results. What do I know? What do I see? And then from this way, you're, you're always challenging yourself, thinking of new ideas because Matt, at the end of the day, business. Business is an intellectual sport. Business is an intellectual sport. So if you can outlearn, outsmart, outperform your competitor, you will do well. It's very, very simple. So intellectual sport. So work on this every day. It's it's this. It's not late. It's men, not many labor. It's not about that. It's who now not necessary who's the most educated, because if that's the case, all the PhDs would be in the in the Forbes 500. Yep. I'm talking common sense. Let me all everything I talk about, Matt, so far, don't you think? It's pretty yeah. simple. It's pretty yeah. common sense. But common sense doesn't equal common practice. Mm. Just because you know something doesn't mean you know it. Just to hear about it doesn't mean you know it. How do you know you know something? Well, do you live it? Are you to living know, it? not to do, so you know nothing at all. There's nothing at all. It's true. <laughs> yeah, Rocky. It is some deep stuff. It has some deep shit. <laughs> and sometimes people say I'm quite philosophical. Not that philosophical. It's just that I have, I, I, I view business, well, life. I mean, life and business to me, it's, it's kind of the same. Hey, Desmond? Desmond? What's going on, bro? Okay, so Matt, there's a little bit of a backstory here. Obviously, you know that Dan's my mentor as well, right? So uh, I submit I know, because he knows way more than me. Uh, Dan, I'm extremely grateful for everything you've done, uh, you know, and continue to do, right? Uh, you know, in quote your words, you know, you don't chew my head off, but my God, guys, I, I got to tell you right now, here's a testimonial. Dan shared with me a secret in like a 30 minute to one hour conversation that will completely change the way I do business and how I bring in sales and close sales. So just first of all, guys, you want to get around Dan and earn his respect enough for him to share those kind of secrets. Uh, he's the real deal. And uh, he continues, his ripples are like going all around the world right now. So 
a lot of great things to come. My question for Dan is, Dan, we, yeah. we get a lot of uh, young people. We get a lot of young guys, you know, that are really attracted to you like moth to a flame. And uh, <laughs> what we're finding is these guys, they, they come in, they're excited, they watch your videos. But when it comes time to pulling the trigger or when it comes time to, I don't know, coming up with a couple of thousand bucks or a couple of hundred bucks to do something, they get cold feet or then they're worried that it might not work. Uh, what if it fails? What do you have to say to that? I mean, like, can you tell more about your experiences with trying something and failing, trying something and failing? Uh, and what, what can young people do? What can they expect? What's the reality of the real world? I think nowadays, most people, most young people, they, they are just spoiled. I mean, they are, they, 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 they have ADD, the attention span is so like, like that. Okay. And they think, you know, I try something, oh, you know, it's not producing result for in 30 days. So let me jump into something else. Uh, it's not how it works. Wealth is committing to one idea over time. So I say most people actually don't want it that bad. They say they want, they want to be successful and, oh, yeah, I want to be, I want to live the house of my dream. I want to provide for my family. I want to live up to my full potential. I said, no. I look at them. I said, no, you don't. I said, what do you mean? I said, no, you don't. Because talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. I look at the actions. I mean, you're like fucking spending four hours a day watching TV rerun. How bad do you want to be successful? So you don't. So don't bullshit me. Uh, so that eliminate 95% of people. That's human nature. Uh, I am, and thank you for saying, you know, I'm impacting other people and this and that. Uh, and, I, and, and, and I'm, I'm happy uh, that I could have effect on people. And, but I always say I am not in the business of turning losers into winners. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm in the business of turning, helping winners win more. Anybody comes to me that I, I help them, I work with them, I, I mentor them. In, in my book, they're already winners. Like that's when you're already a winner. But it's just you maybe you need some strategies, maybe a little bit of guidance uh, to go to the next level. Because I always tell people I'm good. I can't turn you know, chicken shit into chicken salad. Okay? Chicken shit is chicken shit. That's it. I love it. I okay, love it. So, so if, if you're a winner... They're already a winner. They have the quality of winner. Yeah, let, let's 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 make it happen. Let's do something great. But I mean, if I mean if that like losers to begin with, they have a loser mentality. They have a scarcity mentality. They are like lazy as fuck. Then I mean, there's nothing I can do. Even Jesus Christ show up in their backyard can help them, right? So <laughs> forget that. It's no. And I know very quickly. I, I meet someone in five ten minutes in the conversation. I know if they have what it takes. Very very quickly. Very. Quickly. Yeah. Wow. So I don't I don't focus on that. I focus on the five percent. The not I'm not saying the ninety five percent. Maybe because I was the ninety five percent at one point, but sometimes they could shift. But maybe it's not the right time. And my job is not to help them make the shift. My job is I know that they're already in that state of mind. They are ready to to take their life to a whole new level. Then you know what? If you need help, I'm glad to help. But you know, Desmond. I mean, people ask for my help. I, I mean, I, I give them help. People email me. Surprisingly, I get I actually get back to people. Now, my reply might be short. Matt knows this. Yeah, Matt knows. Very, you know? I got it. I'm on it. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. You said you're you know, a guy. I will shout you know, you know, <laughs> it's short, but Matt, I get back to you, right? It, that's you the do. thing, you know, versus some some of these morons and they never get back to people. Actually, Dan, yes. Um, one thing I've heard from everyone, like hundred percent, ten out of ten. 
uh, whenever they, they, they send me a message, they say like they were surprised that you personally replied. In fact, it like totally uh, blew them away and they were super excited that you personally took the time to reply to them. So just that alone already, you know. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, I don't look at them, them as, oh, just because they're getting started or they're not as successful or whatever. I, I look, everybody's the same. I don't care. Uh, just like in the morning, I, I was talking to uh, a, a guy who, who runs, you know, a hundred million dollar company just in the morning. And then right after the call, I was talking to a young guy who was just getting started. I mean, they're the same to me. I mean, it's just people are people. Just because you made a lot of money doesn't make you better, doesn't make you worse. It's just because you made a lot of money. That's all it is. And just because a young guy doesn't mean you can be very successful and you can make an impact in the world. Uh, I mean, I always don't, this is from Tony Robbins, right? Don't, don't underestimate, I mean, don't over, don't overestimate what you can accomplish in a year, but don't underestimate what you can accomplish in a decade. I look at my life in a decade, how much I've accomplished. It's unbelievable from that 10 years ago to today. And for the next 10 years, who knows, right? So life is exciting. Very exciting. Who's next? My boy Shin. Desmond, you good? He's good. <laughs> Thanks for jumping on. Shin, I hope it's your name. What's your question, bro? Damn. Um, honestly, I uh I'm just really honored just to be able to be on this. I kind of I'm I'm a little bit speechless right now because like I'm live with Dan Locke. Um but I think what Desmond the question that what he asked about young people and I actually really answered a lot of my questions. Awesome. <laughs> and Shane has been been studying with me, you know, been my been to my make of entrepreneurs group, you know, many, many times now. Great, great young guy. See, Shane has what it takes. Thank you, Tim. He Thank has you. what it takes. And he always looks sharp as a young guy dressed up. That's good. Because then people can see him. He's a successful, ambitious young people. Mm -hmm. uh, so and, and I like that. I like that a lot. So good. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Um yeah, right now I'm, I'm just up here listening um, and learning. I uh, don't really have, actually, hold on. Okay, I have a question then. Mm. Um, I'm involved with Empower Network. I have another business with Generation Y advertising where we do Facebook, mm. uh, Facebook advertising for businesses. And what I've learned from a lot of people that um, cold calling. How do you how do you build trust when trying to get clients over the phone? Yeah, that's a pretty good question, Matt. Do you think that's a good question? That's a good question because a lot yeah, of people don't like cold calling. I'm in telesales, so yeah, yeah. So, so so first of all, for any people who are listening to this who are in sales, by the way, we are in sales. We're all in sales. You do okay. You you are a teacher. You're selling to students. Your parent. You're selling to your kids vegetables versus chocolate okay we're selling every day uh people have to get now in the business world we're not selling products we're not selling services we're selling trust okay forget what you're selling the the thing you're selling put throw that out the window focus on we're selling trust so if we are selling trust you think in terms of a lot of stuff that we learn in traditional sales in this thing age actually they don't work anymore because the minute you're co-calling somebody, I always say, if when you call somebody, you're the salesman, you're the salesperson. When they call you, you're the expert. 
So even a little shift like that, what could you do to get the call inbound versus trying to do outbound? What can you do marketing-wise? And so marketing and sales, they have to work together. The better your marketing, the less sales you have to do. Uh, you do no marketing, cold call, you have to knock on doors, you have to do a lot of that. But I always believe in, in attraction marketing. How can you get people in so they want to talk to you? They want to ask what you do. They want to ask about your product and services. By there, then you, they meet you halfway. Then all you have to do is not selling, not pitching and stuff. Ask for what they want. What are their needs? What are they looking for? What problems do they have? Have how can you solve their problems? And you meet them there. It's much easier. So with me, I suck. I'm terrible at cold calling. That's why I don't do it. I do everything else. So to get, I mean, with in my case, investment or deal flow or raising capital. I do everything I could to attract those things so I don't have to pursue. It's like, it's like if you think of this as a dating analogy, and Yulia, Yulia is watching this. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's like a guy, you go to a pub full of beautiful girls, and then you try to ask everyone, oh, can I buy you a drink? And that's, that's, you're chasing them, you're pursuing them, right? It's very difficult. And you might get some yeses, but it's, it's a difficult environment. You're going to get a lot of rejections, right? You, you guys agree. Now, versus yeah. if you've watched the show, what is it, uh, The Bachelor? <laughs> yeah. One guy, group of beautiful women, fighting for one guy. That's a good environment to be in. So the question is, how can you structure your business in a way that you put yourself in that kind of environment? So you are the only one. The great thing about what I do and I tell people, there are how many entrepreneurs in the world? There's only one Dan Locke. Supply and demand, a good position to be in, right? So then I can right. pick and choose and, and cherry pick any deals I want to work on, any people I want to work with. Um, that's a good, and that doesn't happen by accident. Yeah. That it's very strategically built. I build it. I make myself a brand. I promote myself. I I I, I create a, the deal flow. It doesn't just I don't just sit at home and kind of wait for things to happen. It's not how it works. Does that make sense, Gene? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I guess for now, what I'm doing in the Power Network when I do the like the Xinjiang brand, yeah. that's what I'm doing. You know, writing blogs, posting videos, tweet, and mm -hmm. this kind of e omnipresence. You know, 10x mm -hmm. action like Grant Cardone. Mm -hmm. uh, but I guess the initial stage, though, for let's say for my Facebook business, mm -hmm. yeah. trying to get clients first to to grow that portfolio yeah credibility as well because um easy i don't believe in like that's what i did in the beginning of my career i piggyback my other people's credibility branding mm -hmm. by association so when in the beginning you know you guys didn't know any about my background at first when i started i was a copywriter yeah mm -hmm. and as a copywriter i was you know charging two three hundred bucks to write a campaign nothing versus other copywriters charging $10,000 to write a campaign. Right, right, right. Well, how do I do that? So I put together a product called Million Dollar Marketing Secrets of the World's Greatest Copywriters. It was a terrible title. See, I made a lot of mistakes. Anyway, so I put together that product. I interviewed these top copywriters and I interviewed how they do what they do. And then I insert myself. I hired a guy to do an interview with me. So I put myself in there, I have this little package, not designed to sell, but I use it as a lead generation and give it to people, give it to potential clients. And they would say, you know what? I said, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these great, you know, marketers, 
and you could hire them for ten thousand, or you can hire me for two thousand or three thousand. Oh, I'm not gonna pay ten thousand. You're only two thousand. I'll hire you. So from early age, so I would say any young people piggyback others' credibility, piggyback other your your mentor or other people, other successful people, because you're getting started, right? So it's okay. Even now, I still piggyback my my mentors. Dan Penny, I go to my website, you know, the $50 billion man. I piggyback my mentor's credibility. For anyone, is to piggyback someone who's done some stuff and then just get through the initial stage. Then as you work with more clients, as you build your portfolio, then you start building your own little brand. But at first, it's way easier to kind of partner up, work under an umbrella, work, yeah. work next to somebody that's, that's so much faster versus trying to, to do something on your own. That's what I was suggest. Actually, um, lately, uh, for my generation, while we actually trying to reach out to uh, different bigger companies, web design companies, yep. what, one of them especially, Evolio, yep. like a, a big car dealers, uh, if, a website design firm, yep. Yep. Toronto, and um, I have actually have a set up meet, meeting with a guy tomorrow. Yes, like some kind of partnership. Yeah. Um, do you have any tips on that? You know, when, we, when it comes to talking to, a, I guess, a bigger brother and then work out, working uh, on okay. Okay. It, it, it's, it's the first, this is goes into deal making and, and a whole bunch of different things. So uh, it's a long conversation. I mean, deal making is, it's a, it's an art by itself, but is it the first initial deal? I would say, don't get so fucking greedy. Yeah, leave some money on the table. Let them make most of the money, so it's irresistible for them, and just get the deal done. Get the first couple of deals done, yeah. uh, then you build a credibility. So let's say whatever percentage you're gonna work out with a guy. If the guy wants a little bit more money and this and that, that's great. Do the first deal, okay. uh, just to make sure. Versus trying to negotiate that five points or five percent. You might make a little bit of money, but you lose the deal in the long term. So, yeah. and then same thing with getting client. The first couple of clients, I, I shared a story as a copywriter. I focus on who could I get if I get that person that would give me everybody else. So as a copywriter back in my you know early 20s, I, got, I, I, I focus on getting one person. At that time was Jay Conrad Levinson. Now, for those of you who don't know, Jay Conrad, Jay wrote the book, uh, Gorilla Marketing. One of the mega best-selling books in, in small business community. Uh, so about, I think, 30 million books worldwide. Uh, the Guerrilla Marketing Book Series. And at the time, you know, in my early in my career, I approached Jay and I said, Jay, I look at your website. I said, can I, can I, can I write for you for free? Uh, if you like my work, can you, you know, give me a little testimonial? And I did that for free. And Jay loved what I do and he gave me a little testimonial. Uh, and then he loved it so much because at the time he was he was marketing his Gorilla Marketing Association membership, I believe. And uh, the what I wrote kind of tripled his response. So then he was so kind. He said, "You know what, Dan? You do such a great one. You're a great young guy. I like your energy. Let me promote to to some to promote you to my people, to my group of entrepreneurs." And so that kind of started my career. And unfortunately, I mean, it's very sad. Jay passed away a few years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually, I believe. He, he wrote a foreword for my book in my life salon owners believe he wrote a foreword for that book and i believe it's the last foreword he wrote before he passed away uh and and that relationship so that's what i mean uh don't get greedy let them make most of the money get the deal done first uh kingpin clients 
who could you get if you get the person would get everybody else maybe you make less money or no money from that client but you can use that to leverage to get everybody else yeah okay thank you very much dan welcome that's powerful thank you thank you shin julia thanks for patiently waiting um <laughs> <a> question <laughs> can you guys hear me okay yeah yeah perfect um, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to do this uh, for us. I really appreciate it, Dan. Um, and um, I, I guess I have two questions. First is like, okay, I to I'm totally on a page with you about the attraction marketing. Um, I have been having a lot of people contact me about what I'm doing, me merely because I've been doing daily consistent action and putting up posts. Mm, um, nice. And I, I, I do the, uh, the approach where I find out their why, what is their pain, and uh, part partnering it up with the right opportunity. Um, but yeah. then I get to the step where I'm, where they're like, okay, thank you for the information. Let me look into this more. And then I have to mm. follow up with them. I'm wondering mm. what are some tips you can give me to strengthen, um, the, you know, the response, strengthen them to, to take action faster. And like, whether it is in the, in the, you know, closing the deal in that initial conversation or in the follow-up, cause I know a fortune is in the follow-up, but yeah. what can so, I do? So, uh, what I do, it's probably different what i teach is most different for most people i believe that when could be a couple of things so you don't have a lead generation problem you have a conversion problem so what that means is it could be that when they initial initial initially contact you maybe qual qualify them a little bit more because the, the harder you qualify the easier it is for you to close the sales so maybe mm. when they contact you maybe you 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 get in, you, 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 it's a bit too quick because at the end of the day, we're selling trust. So from there, when they initially contact you, maybe give them some more information, give them some more value and just pre-sell, pre-educate, pre-qualify them some more before you actually get on the phone with them. Okay, so versus they contact you and you jump on the phone, let's delay that process. I know this is counterintuitive, but delay that process a bit, give them some more things, some more information first. Then from there, when they got on the phone, you kind of know they're kind of 50% slow. Then when you actually get them on the phone, now I haven't listened into your sales conversations, I don't know, but I suspect that maybe you were doing too much selling and not qualify them upfront. So in the call, you need to qualify them. It's more an interview process. So you qualify right. them, you interview them, especially selling high ticket item that you qualify them first you ask them questions you do all of that when the needs are strong enough then you present what you sell your offer versus then they won't have okay. you won't have the whole oh let me look into it it's first of all prospects lie okay they fucking lie yeah <laughs> okay they do. so they, they lie they say oh i want to think about it let me talk to my wife no 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 let me talk to my business partner they mean your wife right it's no, they, they, they lie. So knowing that, cut through that, it's also looking there. Get to the bottom line. When the needs are strong enough, that it's not an objection. So if they say to you, well, I kind of look into it, let me think of what does that mean? It means that they don't see what you offer as a solution or their need is not strong enough that you haven't found exactly what they want and they don't think that's that you know it, it matches what 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 they want. If it matches, people will find the money. One way mm -hmm. So it's more can, qualified can hard, close easy. Hmm? Um, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. The way I've been, the way I've been doing it with my prospects is I, because what I ultimately sell is the opportunity for people to actually live their passions. That's yes. my brand, right? Yeah. Um, so be able to give value to people via a blogging system or self-branding. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I tap into, well, what is your passion? Is what you're doing right now your passion? Oh no, you're doing work, a different job. Uh oh. Oh. Dropped out. All right. Rocky, Mr. Vega, what we're waiting to get back. What's your question, bro? All right. Um, I, uh, how you doing, Dan? Um, I have two questions, actually. Um, but uh, I did want to say just thank you for coming on because I think it's just awesome that you actually took the time to do this. Um, I've heard about you myself from Desmond a while back. So I know, you know, just uh, just a little bit about you. I know and I know more than enough to know um, <laughs> that it's, it's just it's great that, you know, you being here. Um, my questions. Uh, my first question is, um, what would you say somebody can do? Um, to start building wealth and get in the black um, if they have almost no money at all. Mm. Well, I talk about the wealth triangle. Okay. Get the high income skill first. Okay. Because I always say people say, oh, I don't have money. No, you need money to make money if you're in business. But I always say if you can't make money without money, you probably can't make money with money. So it means that what's the skill that you have to, or you need to get, you need to acquire and develop and, and gain so you can develop, de- de- deliver some value to marketplace that you can charge for. It could be, I'm just making this up, okay? It could be marketing, it could be sales, it could be, could be search engine optimization, it could be whatever field that you're in, but you need something first. Because there, you, you, you have no risk. You're, you're making money, you, you, are, you are trading your skills for, for dollars. Start with that. Find out what that thing is first, that Rocky, that, that works for you, that is your natural talent that you're good at. Let's start with that first. Then worry about, you know, starting the business and then doing all that stuff. But get to that 100 grand a year. I think that's the, 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 the bare minimum. Because, you know, less than, a, less than 6% of the population makes over $100,000 a year. 6%. Less than 1% of the population makes over $325,000 a year. So when you're getting that hundred grand level, you're at the top six percent. We get to the three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year level. You're at that top one percent. That's something special. That is something very, very special. When you get there, your presence, your psychology, your state—it's different because you now know that hey, you know what? If I can do this, imagine what else I can do. Does that make sense, Rocky? So find that one thing first. Absolutely. My other question, um, is there such thing as being too aggressive or too in your face when you brand yourself <laughs> to your audience? It, it could be. It could be. And, and everybody's different. I think when it comes to your personal brand, you have to know. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about authenticity. Who you are. Uh, my brand, I mean, I'm more known as the kind of the no BS and, and tell the truth. And that's my brand. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be Dan Lock. You know, be Rocky. Whatever works for you. Uh, it's like I have some young guys. It's funny. I have a young guy who comes to me and he's been, you know, studying my work, and, and he's like 20 years old, and and started copying the way I speak, and and you know, dropping the f bomb everywhere. I said, don't do that. Be yourself. It's not who you are. This is who I am. I don't give a fuck. But this is who I am. 
right? <laughs> so, so, so for them, it's a, but don't try to copy and, 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 and imitate. You gotta, you gotta develop your own style. So not so much now, I, however, that's your personal brand. When it comes to personal brand, you have to ask yourself the two questions. What do you want to be known for? That's your the attributes, your qualities. What do you want to be known for? And what do you what do you don't want to be known as? Okay. What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known as? So when you have those type of things, when it comes to the aggressive, when that is solid, I don't believe you can get too aggressive by pushing yourself, getting out there, posting Twitter. No, but don't get aggressive with your brand if that's not who you are. If that's who you are, by all means, you know, write a write a next F you money book. Awesome, right? But <laughs> if that's not who you are, don't don't try to pretend because people can see see people can see through that. Like people can see through if you're, you're you're being fake, you're not being sincere, and you're not being who you are. People can watch a video like this thirty seconds. They know oh, that's not that guy's pretending to be something else, right? Versus that's that's who you are. So that's what I would recommend. All right. Thank you. Welcome. Awesome, Julia. Well, you're right. back. You're back. Am I able to finish the question I had? Yeah, yeah please. Yeah. Um, is, is it okay if I finish my question? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go for it. So, what I wanted to just share my pre, my pre pre qualifying stages. Mm-hmm. I sell the, the I sell opportunity, the, the for, opportunity people, for people to live their purpose. Mm-hmm. And whenever I pre-qualify, I ask them, are you living your purpose right now? What is your passion? Mm-hmm. And for the most, most of the times people are doing their, uh, a job to fulfill, to fund their passion, yeah. right? So then, um, and I asked them, okay, if you, you love music, for example, mm-hmm. to what, what are the, how serious are, are you about actually making this a reality? Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, if they say 10 or mm-hmm. higher, that's the only time I actually way. go forward with the opportunity. Um, and then I asked him, well, how much money do you need a month to replace your job to do your, your dream, mm-hmm. right? And then the next question is, how much are you willing to invest in order to make this dream a reality? So these are all the pre-qualifying questions that I, I go through. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you would add to this no, pre-qualifying not, not, stages not, that would improve no, no, that, my you, you, uh, you you're, you're asking them, but you're not qualifying them. Qualifying means that uh yeah what's your passion and that's all nice but think in terms of in in any sales conversation okay anyone that you get in touch with matt you'll find it's helpful because you're in sales as well so you think in terms of when they the minute they talk to you they are what i call they on this scale on a one to ten okay one to ten so if they are one to ten if you if they add a three or four in terms of how how bad they want this if there's three or four, you need to bring them up before you talk about your offer. You can't just jump into then you got, if there are three or four, you gotta bring up to a nine or ten. So a few things, when I say qualifying, it means a few things. You need to find out what are their needs, how urgent are those needs. So needs, timing, uh, uh how, how urgent timing. Do they have the budget, money, and then who are, who can make the decision? So you gotta find out those four things. Mm. Okay, and if they if you qualify them hard, it's like, mm-hmm. well, what's your passion? That's good, but what are the pain points? Why are they even talking to you? What are they looking for? Their passion is nice. It means it's like, well, it's kind of it's kind of it's not so pleasant not to live my passion, but it's not painful enough for them to change it. So you need mm-hmm. to, you need to dig deeper and find out. Well, well, tell me why. I like to use. I always ask the question why. 
What's the problem? Not living a passion. Most people don't live their passion. They're okay with that. You know, oh yeah, you know, I, I have, you know, I just got married and, and you know, my kid, it, it, it's, you know, my wife is pregnant and I want to provide a, a future for my kid. Now that's different. That's very different. You need to, the, the why has to be strong enough. You need to be dig way deeper. Then you can use that. You bring them up to scale. And then when, this, when the need is strong enough, they would they would sell you why they won't want to do it, not why mm -hmm. you why you tell them they should do it. No, but if you're at the three or four, you kind of try to pull them up. No, no, no. Just ask questions and bring them up. When they're eight or nine, then you can talk about. And I, I always like to talk about money up front. I don't like to leave okay. it because if they're not even have the budget, then why are we talking? This is this is this is just like chit chat about the weather. They don't actually want to solve the problem that bad. And that's okay. That's perfectly right. fine. I mean, what we have, whatever you do, whatever product and services that you do, it's not for everybody. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But you only need to spend an hour with them on the phone to find out. You can spend, you can spend five, ten minutes, and you would know. Yeah. Very useful. Very useful. Just, just tap in more into the pain and get them up to that level of ten. I always They're say, not there uh, yet. Yeah. Let me leave you with one, one, one last thought. The, the sales conversation should not be a pleasant experience for your prospects. <laughs> they should not get off the phone and say, yeah, no. It should be like, they should be paying. They, they experience, because the only people, that's the only way people would change. Wow. The thing is like comfortable, no. Like I love on the phone, if I'm closing a deal, I love silence. <laughs> it means they're uncomfortable. Then I, you know, drink my tea and I just silence. Little boss move. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's what motivates people. You're gonna have to hit rock bottom to be like, okay, I need to change. Yeah, so then, they, 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 then they will change, and you don't need to convince them to change. Yeah. They will want to change because it's from, coming from internal. They have that desire, and yeah. that lasts. That sticks, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. One more question. Awesome. Thank you. I gotta go, Matt. So just one last question, if we, if we may. Thank you. Thank you. Brian, you get one last question. You're a lucky guy. Yeah, save the best till last. Brian, get it. Give, give me a good one. <laughs> hey, what's up, Matt? Hey, Dan. Um, so I think my question is um, it's actually segueing from a really good place from what she just asked. Yeah. Um, so you talked earlier about being passionate. Yeah. But then at the same time being like a realist. Yeah. So my question is when you – when you move from passion to um, when when you move from being a realist to also being passionate, yeah. how do you activity right. along without losing it like most people? Brian, that's a that's a fucking good question. It's, it's good. To <laughs> it's a good question. I like it. You know, we've all heard of the saying. You know, uh, do do what you love, the money will follow. Right? Yeah, we've heard of that before. And I always, people always say that. I always sometimes ask in the audience, say, put up your hand. How many of you are doing what you love? And I've heard of do what you love, money fall. Everybody put up their hand. And I would say, that how many of you are doing what you love? And you wonder what the fuck is the money? <laughs> so, so that doesn't work. It's not do what you love and the money will follow. Uh, I always have this story um, with my friend. I have a friend of mine who is a very well-known uh, international sales trainer. And sometimes with this conversation about doing what you love, money will follow. And, and, he, and he, we have this discussion and he said, you know what, Dan, what I love to do is I would love to just stay home and 
spend time with my kids in my underwear and have a beer on my hand and just my wife on the other hand and just watch a, watch a basketball game. That's what I love to do. Now, the problem is I can figure out a way to get people to pay me and watch me do that. So uh, until I do, I have to get on the road, I have to travel, I have to do shit that I don't like so I could do the things that I do like. So what I mean by that is this, Brian, is that at first, to, again, young people focus too much on that. Let's just focus on, make sure your passion, it's, it's, it can actually build a business, viable business from it. Let's be a realist. Okay, like can you be a business, can you, can you get rich doing that? Can you create wealth doing that? Are you actually solving people's problems in the marketplace or just you like playing the, the fucking guitar at home and, and nobody wants to listen to you? You know what I mean? Can you are you delivering are you solving people's problems? Let's establish that first. If it is the case, then build a business around it. If that's not the case, then it's like I mean I, I like I like to, you know, do a little bit of ballroom dancing, a little bit of exercise. Well, it's a hobby. That's not a business. Hobby is a hobby. So because of that, then I would say the truth is, so the, tr the, the, so the lie is do what you love and money will follow. Truth is love what you do and be damn fucking good at what you do. Be world-class at what you do and actually deliver real value to the marketplace. Find a group of people that you can serve, that you can help, you can transform their lives and do well with that and build from there. doesn't have to be a big group. It could be a small 10, 20, 30 people. Do that first. Serve those people. And then you go from there. That's, I'm a very passionate about what I do, but there are things it, within my business that I don't like, the aspects of business that I don't like to do, but I have to do it. It's like, I, tell, you know, I love teaching. I love getting on stage, inspiring people, motivating people, teaching people. Hate, listen to me, absolutely hate getting on a plane and traveling. Hate it. Wow. But Brian, Matt, if I don't get on a plane and do that, how could I do what I love? Does that make sense? Makes sense. So I don't have the excuse, well, yeah, I don't, and I don't want to get on a plane. That's not, no, no, no. I'll, I'm willing to pay the price and do whatever it takes to get to so I can do what I love. So sometimes you got to do stuff that you don't like to do, make the money first. Then you can do all these things. When you got, you know, no savings, not making enough money, talk about passion and all this stuff. You got to, we live in a real world, right? You got, you got to do that. You got to, you got to, you got to make some money. And I'm not money driven, but I'm saying, Get to a point where you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about paying the bills. Then you can talk about vision, path, purpose, and all that stuff, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Awesome question. Awesome question. Awesome. Good question. Brian, thanks for your question. I think you're on there, Rosen. Dan, and then I get to go. I got one last question. I promise to be real quick. Okay. My last question for you is this, man, is who are you and what do you do? Yeah. Really who good. Are you, who are you and what I, I do? Think yeah. Brian, were you saying something? Oh, okay. Yeah, connection. All right. Well, my question for you is who are you and what do you do? I'm just a human being. I'm just a human being. Uh, what I do, I always tell my my profession, it's, I, I'm an entrepreneur, of course. But my passion, I, I see myself more as a teacher. Yeah. I, my, I think my passion is a teacher. My profession is, is entrepreneur. Who I am, I'm just I'm just a guy. I'm just a human being. That's it. In this world, I like it. yeah, simple, yet deep and profound. I like it, Dan. I thank you for being on here. 
I need to go. Elijah, I'd like to have you on, but Yen's going to go. Dan, I'm going to have you come back for another one sometime down the road. Yep. I have more questions for you to This is awesome. I appreciate you. Guys, thanks for being on here. For anyone watching the replay or watching this, you go to my website, getyourbusinessintheblack.com. Dan, one last thing, too. How can people get a hold of you? What's the best way? Website, put it in the chat, tell people. Yeah, I would I would say go to my website, www.danlock.com, D-A-N-L-K.com. You know, my information is on there. And they can also visit my YouTube channel. I've got over 200 videos on my YouTube channel. Uh, all my stuff is on there. They can learn. I've got my podcast called Shoulders of Titans at shoulderoftitans.com. All the teaching that I do, all the all these things that I do is all free. So they can listen to the podcast for free. They can watch all my videos for free. And I'll be uploading new content. So that part of my life, I just I just do it as a gift back. That you can learn anything that you want from there at your own pace. Cool. Yep. Awesome. Dan, again, thank you for doing this. Appreciate you. You got to go. You got business attending. I know I'm on East Coast here. Or East Coast Standard Time. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got two meetings to go for still. Oh, yeah, you got Go, go, yeah. get to going. Everyone else, thanks for thanks for watching. Dan, again, thank you. You're awesome. Get in the black, everybody. And we're done.